All right, we are back, and Paul Anderson is here along with me, Nate Johnstone, and we have been doing a series here of podcasts about the topic of discouragement. And last time we brought up the idea that maybe discouragement is a sin, and I wanted us to get back to that this time and give that a little more time. Uh, I think it's safe to say this is going to be a little bit of a controversial idea that becoming discouraged is actually sin. I'm sure some people will not see it that way. Um, this is not an argument type of podcast, but we do like to challenge people and to bring up, bring up issues that we feel are important. And this is one of those. And so, Paul, why don't you start us out on this topic? Okay. Discouragement, a sin? Really? A young man I mentor spent a large portion of his life discouraged. It had never occurred to him that it might be sin. Seemed like it was a condition brought on sort of naturally by adverse circumstances. You accept it, work your way through it. Mm -hmm. But if it's sin, then it can be overcome because that is what Jesus came for. It made sense to him. I might even be able to say it changed his life. Some would say, well, it can't be sin because you can't help it. Could Elijah have helped it? He ran south under the threat of Jezebel. He surrendered to discouragement. It seemed out of character for one of God's greatest prophets in the Old Testament. What about John the Baptist? He must increase and I must decrease. As he starts to decrease, it doesn't feel good. Could he have avoided it, or was discouragement inevitable? He received a gentle rebuke from Jesus. Blessed is he who has not offended him. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to give in to discouragement. He could have kept his eyes on Jesus during his imprisonment, but discouragement blinded him. Mm -hmm. Can you avoid it? Or do circumstances stack up in such a way that losing your joy, your fire, your concentration, your ability to praise the Lord evaporates? And you don't call that sin? Yeah. Satan has something to do with discouragement. He steals, kills, and destroys. I'd like to say two things about overcoming discouragement. How not to be discouraged. The first is you decide not to be. Oh, come on. It's not that easy. <laughs> okay? How does a person overcome the temptation to cross the line and sleep with his girlfriend at 1 a.m. in her apartment? He decides. He leaves rather than playing with fire. It's in the mind. It's all in the mind. Same with any sin. You choose to do something or you choose not to. Mm -hmm. After giving in too often to discouragement, I chose not to be discouraged when a ministry we had for 10 years was going down little by little. I had to lock the door on discouragement each week. I made a decision. I knew it was not inevitable. It wasn't going to help me. It was going to render me incapable of helping others during this difficult time. It is selfish for a pastor, a parent, a leader, a mother, a young adult 
a father to give in to discouragement. When my friend saw it as a decision, it encouraged him that he could do something about it, and he did. Second thing, first, you decide not to be discouraged. Second, you speak in tongues. Are you really saying that? Just speak in tongues? Yes. The Bible says, he that speaks in tongues edifies himself. That is one incredible scripture that we read, smile at, and go on. Wait a minute. Do you know anyone who's overdosing on encouragement that needs a little more discouragement in his life? Okay, do you know anyone who is battling discouragement on a daily basis and needs to be built up? The infallible, unalterable, unchangeable Word of God mm -hmm. tells us that we are built up when we speak in tongues. Someone says, well, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't build me up that much. I don't feel any different, actually. Right. And because you don't, you only do it once in a while, and you do not do it in faith. The greatest apostle the world has ever seen said, I am glad that I speak in tongues more than you all. Mm. Do you think that that has anything to do with his response in the back of a dungeon, locked in clamps unjustly, beaten without cause, and it's midnight? He leans over to Silas and says, hey, do you know any good choruses? He was choosing not to live by his circumstances, but by the word of God. It will work for you and me as well. Okay, so becoming discouraged is a sin. That's what it looks like to me. Okay. Because God, prom God, God promises us the ability to overcome. He supplies us with his Holy Spirit. And then if we choose not to take that, and go with our own power and give in to discouragement, that's not in faith. Mm -hmm. We're doing it ourselves. Whereas instead, we can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, refuse to open that door to discouragement. Or, or as you said earlier, um, you would lock the door and you would physically reach out your arm and make a door locking motion. You would actually physically do that as just a, a statement of faith that I yes. am choosing to say no, I am saying no, I am being attacked with discouragement right now yes i can feel it it's coming in yes and i am saying no to it and i am locking that door and there was a time back when we were still doing communitas i'm up front leading worship <laughs> and this is good kind of a heavier topic so i'm bringing a little levity uh i'm up leading worship and i see you reach out with your hand and grab something invisible and turn it <laughs> and i'm like leading worship and playing guitar singing and I'm watching you do this, and you're looking up front, and I assume you're trying to tell me something, and I'm like, does that mean turn it up, turn it down, <laughs> keep going? What what weird thing is happening right now? I didn't know, I, I didn't get it. It threw me off for a little bit, but I just let it go. But then I afterwards, you know, we talked about it, and I realized what what you were doing, and and I had to do the same thing. I'd be up there leading worship, yeah, and I'd look around, and it would hit me, and it would I would feel it actually physically like a sinking feeling. Yes. Like a sinking feeling in your stomach, like when you get bad news and mm -hmm. your stomach has that sinking feeling. I don't know what chemical causes that or some weird hormone. I don't know what it is, but you get that sinking feeling. And I got that just looking at 15 people in the room. Yes. I, I spent a lot of time preparing a message. I spent a lot of time 
preparing worship. We spent a lot of time in prayer. There's 15 people in the room. And that those are facts. Mm-hmm. Those are indisputable. And mm-hmm. so I get that sinking feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm attacked with a discouragement right now in the moment. And I have to choose while singing and playing guitar. <laughs> so I'm multitasking there. Um, to say, no, I'm not going to be discouraged right now. I am going to praise God. That's what we are here for. And it doesn't matter how many there are. If Jesus said if one or two are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. So who cares if we have only 15 people? Maybe two or three. Yeah, two or three. That's right. Sorry, sorry. Misquoting scripture. Uh, the uh, fact checkers are going to yes. be upset about that one. Uh, whenever two or more are gathered, that's what it says. So, and that's how I did it when I, when I was leading worship. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're still in the presence of God right now. It doesn't matter how many there are. Jesus only had 12 disciples. It worked out pretty well for him. So... But it was still difficult. Yeah, it was difficult. But and it, yeah. it took an act of will to say no to that. And we're not saying that hey, this is a cinch. That I can do this. No, no, no. This is easy. But it gets easier. It gets easier. Yeah. It's like a muscle. Yeah. It gets easier. It's like any skill. It's like any skill. It's like learning how to enter into the presence of God. We've been talking mm-hmm. about that at Lydia House. Mm-hmm. Um, churches traditionally say, "Let's prepare our hearts for worship at the beginning of church." We've forgotten how to do that. We don't even know what that means. At some point in the past, people knew how to prepare their own heart. To worship God properly. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill. We need to learn how to do that. And we need to practice it. And like any skill, we get better at it. And so we get better at saying no to discouragement. Mm-hmm. We get better at doing that. And sometimes maybe we need to do a physical act like reach out and lock the door. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to call a friend and let him know, hey, I am being tempted by discouragement right now for these reasons and I'm not choosing it. And we need a friend to to encourage us. There was a time when I, a couple of years ago when I was being, I was giving in okay to discouragement yeah i'm not going to get into it specifics because of it would be inappropriate um to do so but it was it was before i was here um, at communitas and pretty awesome i had given in to discouragement and i felt as though i had good reason mm-hmm. and so i called my best friend paul finley pastor out in arizona right now and i said these are the reasons why yes. i'm so discouraged and he listened patiently for 20 minutes while i ranted Mm. about my terrible treatment yes. and my horrible conditions <laughs> in my wonderful first world country as I'm walking around the backyard of my lovely house. and But I'm feeling quite sorry for myself in the moment, okay? Of course. And my best friend says, knock it off. Ooh. He said, he did. He, it was like a punch in the stomach. Because I was opening myself up to him and making myself vulnerable. And he responded with, knock it off. Who do you think you are? Wow. We signed up for this years ago. You're a pastor. You signed up for this. They're not stoning you. Quit complaining. Humble yourself, is what he said. And he said it very strongly. You don't need to fight. You don't need to win. You need to humble yourself. And it was, <laughs> I was not happy with him at the end of the conversation, okay? <laughs> I was not happy. I was civil but unhappy, and I hung up, and I huffed and puffed a little bit to the Lord. And then I realized Paul was very right. I called him the next day and thanked him, of course, for being a good friend. Okay, I got to tell we you. We need a good friend sometimes to come along and be like, hey, quit it. <laughs> my sister did something very similar. <laughs> In one of my discouragement times, when I was discouraged for several days, I called Lois. And I said, Lois, I'm having a tough time, a really tough time. I explained what it was, and here's what she said to me. She said, Paul, your worst day 
is a hundred times better than 90% of the people on the planet. That was her way to show me mercy. <laughs> Strong compassion gift. Yes, yes. And I'm glad she did because I did not need someone to come in there with me and wallow. I needed somebody to lift me out and that was good. I'm very thankful for it. Mm -hmm. That was a part of what set me on a track not to be discouraged. But that's what discouragement wants is to wallow and yes. to have other people join us. Oh, um, yeah. Not necessarily join us in our misery, but commiserate. To say, oh, yes. yes. Oh, you poor thing. That's what my grandma always used to say. Oh, you poor thing. Um, <laughs> common phrase for her. And um, we want someone to say that. Oh, you poor thing. You are being mistreated. Things are terrible for you. You have every right to feel this way. Yeah. And we want that. And it's not what we need. It is not what we need because it's not simply an emotion. It is a decision. Mm -hmm. It is a decision that changes the course of your day, perhaps your week, maybe your life. For this guy, this young leader type, uh, it had been the course of much of his life. And so he was glad to hear that this could be sin and that he could deal with it with confession and forgiveness and take a new course. Mm -hmm. So so let's talk about that more. Is it a, is it a sin? And, and why are you saying that? Because to say that discouragement is a choice, that's a step for some people. Mm -hmm. To say that, and if you choose to be discouraged, that is that choice is sin, that's a bridge too far, I think, for some, maybe for many. Yeah. So why specifically do you think choosing to be discouraged is a sin? for a couple reasons. One, Paul ends chapter 14 of Romans by saying, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so if That's I'm Romans 14, 23. 23. If I'm not acting in faith in response to God and believing that he can help me to overcome any situation in my life so I don't give in to the kinds of things that Elijah gave in, that John the Baptist, discouragement, disheartening, depression. If, if I can, if he commands me to come against that, I, he gives me faith to believe for it, and I don't choose that, I think that's sin. Mm -hmm. I agree, I agree. In Hebrews, the author, <clears throat> Luke hinted, the author of Hebrews, whoever it may have been, said that the Israelites did not enter the promised land because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief. And that was an interesting interpretation of the situation with the Israelites. Mm -hmm. Because at the time it was they're whining, they're complaining, and, and the things that God couldn't stand to listen to anymore. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they didn't get to enter the promised land because they didn't choose to believe God initially with the two spies, or the twelve spies, the two who said, this is going to work, and the ten who said no. Um, but the author of Hebrews said it was specifically unbelief. That's what kept them out. And so their, the evidence of their unbelief was whining, complaining, self-pity, discouragement. Mm -hmm. Discouragement was evidence of unbelief. I think they go hand in hand. And if you think about what discouragement is, I think it makes sense to look at discouragement as unbelief, because what is discouragement? I am looking at my situation, 
and I'm looking down, probably from my own perspective, not necessarily from a godly perspective, but I'm looking at my circumstance, what I see in the natural, and I look at it, and it's bad or scary or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and I decide this is not going to go well. Mm -hmm. God is not going to fix this. God yeah. can't fix this. God can't change this. Whatever it is that goes through our head, probably in a subconscious type of way, but we look at our circumstance and we say, God can't fix this. God can't redeem this. He's not going to overcome it. He's not going to help me to overcome my circumstance. And that's why we get discouraged. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a discouraging situation. The situation wouldn't the situation wouldn't be discouraging if we could look at it and say, "Oh, this is going to be cool. Yeah. This is going to be fun." No, it looks like it's not going to be fun, and it looks like it's not going to go well. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we look at that circumstance and we think, "This is not going to go well for us." Well, what is that? That's unbelief. Yes. Because God said it will go well with you. It doesn't mean everything will be perfect, but it means He's going to get you through these circumstances of life. Yeah on the other side of it and work all things for your good as you love him and are called to his purpose. And so if we look at our situations and we react with discouragement, that is, I think, the evidence of unbelief. We don't truly think God's going to work this situation out. We don't truly think he's going to get us through. And so that makes us dismayed. And it would, wouldn't it? Yes. Thinking God's not going to get me out of this, that would make me dismayed. But we shouldn't think that. That's unbelief. You've convinced me. I have. I, I, I agree you were, with you. You were on the fence prior I, I to Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you already were on my side. Welcome uh, to the roller coaster <laughs> life. If you believe that discouragement is just a natural, inevitable part of life, you're going to go up and down with the circumstances, with the situations, uh, responding to life's darker moments by discouragement, by dismay, by grumbling like the children of Israel did. I think that's a great example. Mm -hmm. that the children of Israel in the wilderness. And I think that roller coaster life you're talking about is the result of unbelief, living in unbelief, mm -hmm. instead of living in faith. Mm -hmm. And anything that is not of faith is sin. Yes. And so unbelief is obviously sin. And in Hebrews, uh, the author talks about how unbelief is sin. And that sin kept them out of the promised land. That's a big one. God promised them as they're on their way out, you will all go into the promised land. And they didn't. God's promise didn't come true. Something pretty big had to come along to make God's promise not come true. And so unbelief has a powerful effect in our lives to thwart the good that God is trying to do and to destroy that, to diffuse the plans that God has, God has laid. It's, unbelief is a terribly destructive thing. And we don't realize, I don't think, how prevalent unbelief is in our lives in the little cases. And I think discouragement is one of those. I think that's unbelief. And it leads to that up and down roller coaster. Whereas if we live in faith, and read Hebrews, folks. If you're really not sure about this, read the book of Hebrews. Living by faith does not allow for discouragement. Read through the book. Those are not discouraged people. That is not a discouraged situation. That is a situation that doesn't live life dictated by its own circumstances. We're not supposed to live our lives based on our circumstances. We're supposed to live above our own circumstances. That, that's how God wants us to live. That's the life of faith. I am more convinced after listening to you. <laughs> well, that's what why I believe. We, that's why we have these discussions. Yes. So I that like, you can be convinced by me. I, no. I would like to pray for our friends. I think so, too. Who are listening. And I'll tell you what I'd recommend is what I recommended to my young friend. I said, how about if we confess this? 
as unbelief. How about if we say, I was sinning. I was violating your holy will. I was choosing something substandard. You had something better for me. And I gave in rather than overcoming. How about if you join me now? Father, we acknowledge that there are many times in our life when we could have chosen to be filled with the Spirit and overcome a bad situation instead of grumbling about it, thank you for what you were going to do. But we didn't see that. We saw and said instead the dark side, we gave in to discouragement, and self-pity probably came along with it. We're sorry. We're sorry for those many moments, those many times. Sometimes they turned into days. Sometimes they turned into weeks, and it took us out of the game. We don't want to be there. That's not where we want to live. We want to be overcomers, like Paul said. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. And so we want to believe you that you're going to change the way we think, that we can be renewed in our mind, and that we can choose not to be discouraged, and that when it knocks at the door, we can say, no, I will not give in to discouragement. I will live above this situation rather than giving in to the roller coaster ride that I know from my past. I pray for those who have lived that past roller coaster life and now are saying, I'm going to live a different way. We pray that you would give them much grace to turn this thing around through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Nate, I'm really happy about this. I'm really happy with what we talked about. I think this is going to change some lives. I think it will encourage a lot of people. Encourage. <laughs> encourage. And it, it, it does, I will say, it does take some humility to accept that it might be a sin if we haven't thought of that way before. Mm -hmm. But I, I advise humility <laughs> for everyone. Humility is, to me, always the correct first step to just about anything in life. I, I'd like to end with one more Bible story about encouragement, and yes. that's from 1 Samuel 17. And it's the story of David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. David is a kid, shepherd boy, last kid in his family, not particularly liked, it seems, by his family or his father, because when Samuel, the prophet, said, bring me all your sons, he didn't bother bringing in David. That's telling yeah. to me that something's up, okay? So here's David, and he spends all his time in the presence of the Lord. He is singing songs, writing praise songs, doing his job, but praising God while he does his job, right? And he goes and sees the Philistine army. He hears Goliath taunting the people of God. And many of us would consider that a discouraging situation. The Philistines are there. They're going to win. They have the bigger army. They are going to trounce the Israelite army, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Outside of supernatural intervention. Everybody's freaking out. Saul is freaking out. They came and make a, an ancient offer, a challenge, that says, let our strongest man fight your strongest man. And if our champion beats yours, you're going to be our prisoners. And if our, your champion beats ours, you can be our prisoners. And that's how they saved a lot of bloodshed back in the day. It, it happened a lot in, in Greece and in other countries. So it's happening here. 
the Philistines have come and put out their champion. And everybody's scared to death of Goliath because the dude's a giant and he's super, super scary. <laughs> and the chapter goes into great length to describe how scary he was. His armor alone was incredibly heavy. It was a very scary guy. Discouraging. Inherently discouraging situation. Yes. Inherently discouraging situation. Everyone else receives the discouragement that that situation offers them. Mm -hmm. And they say, yes, yep. I am discouraged. I'm going to wet my armor because this is terrifying right now. Okay. <laughs> David, the little boy, he walks up and he says what? How dare you speak like this to the army of the Lord? Who are you to do this? This little boy does not get discouraged because he th sees things from God's perspective. And he says, God has given us a gift in Goliath. He is not the one that's going to destroy us. Goliath is a gift because all we have to do is defeat this one guy and the whole army goes away. How gracious is our God? He has given us an amazing gift. We just had to defeat one guy. This is the best news ever. And everybody thinks he's nuts. And he's like, well, fine, I'll fight him. And it's also telling how terrified they all are because they let the shepherd boy go out to fight Goliath. Okay? Um, and of course, David does and he conquers because he is doing it in the name of the Lord. And he has no fear because he's not discouraged. Imagine if David had let the heart get taken out of him when he mm. heard Goliath mm. speak. Mm. But no, he took heart in the Lord. He took courage in what he believed God was capable of doing. What he had seen God do time and time again in his own life protected him from a lion and a bear, he said. And so I think that's a great story of how we can respond to situations. We all have giants in our life from time to time. We all have discouraging situations from time to time. How are we going to choose to look at that? Are we going to look at it as, oh, this is so horrible, like Saul did and all the other folks did? Or are going to we look at it as, this is God giving me an opportunity to be a victor and to conquer. And when David won, he got Goliath's sword. He got a job in the palace where he started to learn how to be a king. And so it was an important step on his road to fulfilling his destiny. But he had to beat the boss at the end of that level to get to the next level. Good. Good, good. Amen. Amen. Do I hear an amen out there? Amen. <laughs> so if you want to get in touch with us, if you've got questions, even prayer requests, fact checking, you want to mention something, or if you'd like to suggest a topic that you'd really like us to talk about, um, you can contact us. Paul's website is Pastor Paul Anderson. That's S-O-N dot com. And I am Pastor Nate Johnstone. And there's an E on the end of that dot com.